are going to be in John this morning, but first just turn with me to Ephesians. Ephesians. Now we're just getting ourselves prepped. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. Before we do, just to give you a little bit of a recap, as uh, last Sunday we went over uh, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit as we looked at Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, known as the temptations in which Jesus faced in the wilderness. We looked at the, the, the filling and the leading of the Holy Spirit as Jesus was baptized. We le- read later on that he was then filled and then led into the wilderness. And as our normal study as a church, we're in the book of Revelation Obviously, we're in the book of Acts. It's brought us to the book of Revelation as Pastor Blake is continuing to take us along through that wonderful book, revealing God's plan for his children and in the world in the future times as Jesus is revealing to John through the Spirit. And as we look, as I mentioned last week, we have stepped away from the book of Revelation to look at two things, the filling and the leading of the Holy Spirit which in totality encompasses the work of the Holy Spirit, as we saw in Jesus being filled and then led. But he wasn't led to somewhere where you and I would maybe think Jesus himself was led. Most of us would figure Jesus would be led who knows where, but he was led into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil himself. But being filled, he was able to endure and resist the devil. Whether you are being where you are led today in this morning, your season of life, where you're at, It may not be the ideal situation, but as a believer, as a born-again believer, we are told and we know that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, residing in us. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to come and go. He is in you. You have been sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. You have what's called the eternity on your hearts is that you know that these temporary things around you in your life that are struggles and some in which I'm not even able to come alongside you and help you with, but the Holy Spirit is. And he is teaching you and guiding you as we see this morning. But Jesus being filled, he was able to endure and resist the devil. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, the temptations in your life, this is the New New Living Translation, so look to the screen, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. No one is able to say, I'm being tempted by God. God is not tempt. He allows temptations. He allows testings in our lives to what we call to sanctify us. Really just to grow us closer to him. As if you were to be honest and I were to be honest, the hardest times of our life as our Christian walk is the closest we cling to the Lord. It's amazing that Jesus was able to endure and resist the devil. And often, as we see in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, often the way of escape is the still small voice convicting our hearts. Say, hey, don't do this, don't do that. You can even remember if, if you're younger and you're about to do something, you're, maybe your parents have told you not to do this. And there's still that rebellion heart. You're like, well, whatever, who cares? But even when you're about to do or take something you're supposed to not take or do something or hang out with someone you're not supposed to hang out with, which was my thing in high school, there was still, even though I was doing it and living in it, there was still something in which I was not able to fully enjoy it because the Holy Spirit was convicting my heart. He was speaking to my heart. And maybe that's you this morning. It doesn't matter if you've been walking with the Lord for 10, 15, 20 years. Sin is sin, and sinners are going to sin. And you're in something, you're dabbling in something that you know is wrong, And as a believer, man, you are not able to enjoy it because God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 
the sin is, is uncomfortable, and it's supposed to be, because we have the Spirit of God residing in us. He goes, we are his temple in which he has chosen to put his Spirit in us. Again, often it's that still small voice. So as we've been studying last week, we looked at Jesus being filled and then led. This morning, the real desire of this morning's teaching is to continue to look at that truth of to be led, to be led by the Holy Spirit in, in, in everything, in every aspect of our lives. May we be completely dependable on the Spirit of God to teach us and to guide us and to lead us. So let's continue in that study on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But this morning, as I've, I've shared a little bit during our time of prayer, as Pastor Blake was like, Lincoln, you, you, just, you teach what you want to teach, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, and through prayer, beginning in, back in June, I just knew that this was the topic in which the Lord wanted for us this morning to hear and to study. Uh, but even this past week and the week prior, as I began to study for this, there's just so much to just, there's so much about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. I even have up on the screens, and maybe you checked your bulletin, that we are in uh, the Gospel of John, and then we'll go to Romans. We won't even touch base Romans, because this is just so rich of what, how he's been working in our lives since birth. It's amazing. We are only able to scratch the surface, and that's really just an encouragement and a challenge to you to begin that study personally. To, to open up your Bibles on your own time, to, to begin to dive into the Word of God in your, in your morning devotions or your evening devotions, to really understand and to know who God is, to know His Word. So I want to begin this, this morning's studies. I've had you turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 21. We'll read that shortly. But I want to begin with a quote. I have no idea who it's by. I found it, and I was like, this is amazing. So here's a quote. Today... Christianity is making and producing man-made Christians. And many t calling themselves men and women of God have twisted, perverted, and sweetened the gospel to cater for this group of Christians. These Christians live in lies, and they do not open their eyes to see the truth. Coupled with the help of their men and women of God, in quotations, they fight and stick to a lie. And because of their ignorance, God has given them to their minds in darkness." These Christians live in lies, and they do not open their eyes to see the truth. May the Lord come and open our eyes to the truth of his word this morning. If you're not following the Lord, may he open your eyes this morning. If you've been following the Lord for 15, 20 years, 5 years, may he continue to open up your eyes this morning. It's not like we get to a point of our lives and we can say, study of God, check. No. There is a continual understanding of who he is, and we're only able to scratch the surface in our short 45 minutes of the person, the work of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. So, again, I told you to turn to Ephesians, and I'll finally read it. Ephesians 1, 15 through 21. This is Lincoln's favorite section of Scripture. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, here we go, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. 
according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in the right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that is which to come. And this is the prayer of this morning. Lord, remove the scales of my heart. Remove, remove those, those things in which the enemy is allowed to put lies in my, my ears that are maybe toning out your truth. Remove those, Lord. I want to hear you this morning. May my eyes be enlightened to your calling. The word enlightened is really photizo. is where we get our English word for photo. So may the Lord enlighten that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And a photograph is something simply that light is falling on a photosensitive surface. May our hearts and eyes this morning be a surface for the Lord to reveal himself to us. May he enlighten your heart. May he enlighten your eyes. And not just here in this building this morning, but forever. May he continue to show and reveal himself as you go and seek. Because as we seek, as we draw near to the Lord, there's a promise. There's a blessing that he will continue to draw himself closer to us. So this morning, go ahead and turn back to John chapter 16, to your left. John 16, verse 7 through 15, and so funny, I had just taken the youth through the gospel of John for the past two years, and last Sunday night, it was almost rejoicing, I'm like, not that I'm out of the book of John, but it was like, wow, that's amazing, and then as I'm beginning to study, the Lord's like, you're going back in John, I'm like, okay, we'll go back, it's all cool. So John chapter 16, verse 7 through 15, if you want to mind, we're going to read through it and then go back together. John 16, verse 7 through 15. This is to be led. Nevertheless, or despite all of that, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of this world who is judged, and we know who that is from Ephesians 2. I still have many things to say to you, this is Jesus, but you cannot bear them now. However, when, he, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you these things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Lord, bless this time. Lord, I pray, God, that you would speak through me, that your word would fall on rich soil in the hearts of those who hear it this morning. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you're taking notes, this morning's study is to be led. And we are in John, again, chapter 16, verse 7 through 15, if you just joined us. And Jesus is, this is before the evening in which he's going to go to the cross. We see many chapters that follow, but this is in a short time in which Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And this is the evening in which he is about to endure the cross. He is about to go to the cross, and this is what he tells his disciples. Imagine, put yourself in these shoes. It is to your advantage that I go. What do you mean? How is it possible? How is it to my advantage that you leave? Now, if we had a team, if we had a baseball team, a football team, and you had someone who was really good on a team, and it's like, yeah, it's my, to your advantage that I go, like, what are you talking about? You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're winning. This is the reason why we're even doing this is because you called us. And now you're going to leave? But Jesus is saying it is to your advantage. What do you mean? 
You see, he would then be able to be after his ascension, after his death and resurrection, he would actually be able to be with them all. That the, the ministry of the Spirit has much a broader reach and stretch. That he's able to indwell in every single believer that when Jesus sent out his disciples, when he said go, he didn't say go and good luck, have fun, kind of do what we did, have fun. No, when he sent them, he sent them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 1-8, when we see that, it's the ability, it's the ability to go. It's because Jesus is indwelling in them. And it's the only reason in which we are now alive is because he's indwelling in you and me this morning. It's not, a, it's not a, uh, the Holy Spirit, it's an it, it's a he. And it's my belief that Jesus is here this morning. He is here in the presence of us this morning. And for me, that just gives me the little goosebumps. I'm like, oh, let's go. It's amazing that the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus is saying is to your advantage, that the ministry would be broader. As we see, Jesus would send out his disciples. He doesn't send them off alone. And for us today, living some 2,000 years past the death of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is at work. Do you, do you believe that? Do you acknowledge that? Do you see that in your own life? That the Holy Spirit is at work? That God is in, in your life? That he is working? That he is speaking to you? He's using other people to encourage you? Maybe even to convict you? Maybe to rebuke you? But he is at work. And Jesus is at work in this world. And, and this is really almost a challenge. This, it, this was almost one of those late notes that I added that the Lord just put on my heart heavy. Because this is me. This is my conviction through this. Is that imagine a week, imagine a day, when our focus, when your focus wasn't on the works of the devil. And now let me explain. Is that we and I, we get so caught up on the, the, the negativity and the sin in this world and the evil of the, this world. And I'm telling you, it's, not, it's okay to be aware of it. You don't want to be ignorant of it. But imagine if that time spent dwelling and being angry of who's in the White House or whatever's going on in this political firestorm that we're in or whatever's going on. What do you believe? What's the truth? What's not? COVID vaccine or not? Imagine that time, instead of sowing it into anger and bitterness, if we sowed it into the Spirit. Imagine, and that's the conviction of my heart, is imagine, Lincoln, the time in which you dwell and you see and, and maybe begin to get angry and you focus on what, what the devil's doing because look, we know that he is the prince of the power of the air. He is the ruler of this world. He is at work in this world, but Jesus is at work in this world. I want to acknowledge that. I want to see Jesus more than I ever give the attention to the works of the devil in my life through sin and my flesh or in the world. Now, it may not be for all of us this morning, but that was for maybe a few. So back again, verses 8 through 11. Again, it's to your advantage that I must go. Verse 8, and here we go. And when he has come, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So last week we saw that Jesus being filled and then led by the Spirit. This week we're going to look at really four things, but highlight three things. As we look at the Holy Spirit and the work of this world, the world we live in today, even in the life of those whom you think, man, they would never get saved. They will never bow their knee to the Lord. The Holy Spirit is working in their lives. 
The Holy Spirit is speaking to them, convicting them. And we see in three ways. We see that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin. We see the Holy Spirit convicting the world of righteousness and of judgment here in verses 8 through 11. So we're going to break those three down. Beginning with number one, which is convicting the world of sin. And now when you think of sin, you might be beginning to list off all the wrongs you do, all the wrongs that you struggle with, your sin life. You may even be thinking of Galatians chapter 5. Maybe you've read it and you've checked off all the struggles in your life. But in reality, the sin in which we're, Jesus is speaking of is, is of one. is the unforgivable sin, the unpardonable sin in Matthew, which we know is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It's the rejection of the Holy Spirit. It's denouncing any desire toward yielding to him. And verse 9 tells us clearly, it says, of sin, the world is convicted of sin because they do not believe in me. You see, the personal work of the Holy Spirit to the unbelievers is he is convicting them that they need to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And now, maybe some of you, you've been walking with the Lord for some years now, or, or, or even recently, and you look back, you know, 15, 20 years, 10 years, or whatever it may be, even recently, if, it's, if you became a believer even, you know, in the last month or so, you can look back in your, your early life, whether it be, you know, preteens, teenagers, young adults, if you weren't walking with the Lord, now that you are saved, you can look and you can see that the Lord had his hand on your life that he was working in your life, that he was, he was pulling you and drawing you, even if you weren't acknowledging of him, even if you were trying so hard to suppress him away, to get rid of him, he was still faithful. He was still chasing after your soul, your heart. And he was speaking to you. And it wasn't until you yielded to it and you're like, oh, that was the Lord. You can begin to pinpoint different things in your life that he was protecting you and keeping you from things in your life. And now as a believer, as a seasoned believer, you are aware of the work of the Holy Spirit even when you weren't following him, even when you weren't following the Lord. It's incredible, as Jesus says, is convicting the world of sin. And I bet a big part of your testimony, and not to do this, but you sit back wondering, what if I had received the Lord a lot sooner? What if? And you may begin to list off, I would have avoided that for sure. I would have definitely avoided that, but maybe not. Maybe not. But if you were to encourage one young unbeliever or anyone, really, you may say two words. Don't wait. Don't wait to yield your life to the Holy Spirit. Even as believers today, in different things in which God is calling you to walk in, to obey in, and in my life, that still resides is don't wait. Don't wait to yield everything to the Holy Spirit, to yield your life to him. Here's why some wait. Here's maybe why you waited if you did. Because we all did. John three nineteen. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Before all of us came to know the Lord or even in this room if you don't know him, you're a lover of evil. You love evil more than God. You love wickedness. You love your evil deeds. You love some sinful desire, some fleshly desire more than God. And that's why you're choosing to get rid of him some way in your life. But guess what? You can't. God is, he is everywhere. It's amazing once you begin to open up your eyes. Once our eyes are enlightened, our hearts are enlightened, we begin to see the Lord in every aspect of life. 
This is my encouragement. This is my challenge to you. some of you maybe who are not following the Lord. Maybe you're younger and you tell your parents you are and you begin to try to live like you are, but you know you're not. Here's my challenge. Don't allow temporary pleasures to bound your soul into hell for eternity. Don't allow whatever thing, whatever anything is temporary that's giving you somewhat of a pleasure now to bound your soul into hell forever. It's not worth it. Don't wait. So the Holy Spirit is revealing or enlightening this truth to all the world. It's convicting the world of sin. It's then respond or suppress by continuing in our evil deeds. If you're a born-again believer, you have responded. You have yielded your life to the Lord. And we now look at sin or evil deeds in disgust because the light that is now in us. You now look back and you question, why did I ever do that? Why did I ever dabble in that? So number two, convicting the world of righteousness. Number one, convicting the world of sin. Number two, convicting the world of righteousness. In verse um, eight and nine again. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness. Jump down to verse 10. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And this is interesting. Jesus says of righteousness because I go to my Father. Again, he's told him, it is to your advantage that I go away. And now because of righteousness, it's because I go to my Father. You see the ascension of Jesus display for all that he had perfectly fulfilled the will of God. No longer thoughts or ideas of what righteousness is. You got to imagine there at that time, Pharisees and scribes, everyone who were attacking him, trying to live this perfect life according to the law, trying to live every single minute of their waking life perfect, blameless. As Jesus ascended, as he goes to the Father, what display of righteousness in Jesus that we have, that he had perfectly fulfilled the will of God. And the example of him, even if you read through the Gospels of John specifically or any other Gospels, as you see Jesus walking into different towns as he, as he did miracles and as he loved and he prayed and over, over those who were hurting, or, and you just see the life of Jesus. Who do you normally find just trailing right behind him? You know, the Pharisees and the scribes. It's my belief that they were convicted. They were convicted by the life of Jesus, by the light in which he was shining. And it made them angry. It made them mad. And that's why they wanted to get rid of him, that they wanted to sell him really over to Pilate. If it didn't then, it has to stop people in attempting today to be righteous through their own ways. It's interesting that by every death in this world, every death, and someone related to them or, or loved them, there is a slim sliver of hope that they're somewhere better. That even if you know they lived like hell, they would be, man, yeah, but we try to tend to look at the good characteristics of their life. He or she did this well. They, they lived that, they done that well. They were good people. None like them. But you see, Jesus in Matthew 5, 20 says, For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The scribes and Pharisees, they were gnarly. They were in tune with the law. They were following every single step of it. And even then, they were imperfect because they had not the righteousness of Jesus. If you break one part of the law, what happens? You break it all. The Pharisees and scribes were not perfect. 
And we know Pharisee was someone who attempted daily to live perfect. And you may be very familiar with the previous Pharisee, Saul. Most of you remember Saul, or now we know him as through the New Testament as Paul. Well, Paul said this about his life as concerning being a Pharisee or living the life according to the law. Paul's words in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, up on the screen, this is the uh, New Living Translation. I once thought these things were valuable. This is concerning the law. This is concerning being a Pharisee, the zeal persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness in which he was trying to uh, receive in his own life. This is Paul. Man, I, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it as garbage, so that I gain Christ and become one with him, that I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with him depends on faith or is through faith. You see, God's standard of righteousness is Jesus. He is the only one in which live the perfect sinless life. It hasn't stopped people before and it hasn't stopped people today to attempt to enter into the kingdom of heaven or to attempt to enter in by their own works or their own deeds or living a life that outweighs all the evil in their life. It doesn't stop people today attempting. If you, if you even go on the street and begin to evangelize or door to door, five out of 10 people will say, well, how are you gonna get to heaven? By my good works. You know, I'm a, I'm a good person. The Holy Spirit is testifying, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. Because of the righteousness of Jesus, that standard and only which God receives. But it's so cool to understand and to see that even in Philippians, Paul said that through faith in Christ, it's God's way of making us right with himself. And it's through faith. And through faith, God imputes to you and I the righteousness of God and chew on that for years. The idea that God would impute Jesus' righteousness on a sinner like me and you. But through faith, it's, it's incredible. And the Holy Spirit is testifying that to unbelievers today. In this room, maybe, in this world, friends you know, they're being convicted. They're being convicted all the time. And through faith, we see in John 14, 6, that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. There aren't many roads, and you know that. There aren't many roads. My favorite sticker, not my favorite. Don't, I'm going to catch that. My least favorite sticker. And if you have one, I'm going to go rip it off your car. It says, Coexist. You can't coexist when one of you on the other side of the coexist letters wants to kill each other. It doesn't happen. You can't coexist. There aren't many roads to heaven. There's only one. Jesus said, I am the way. If you want to get to the Father, it's through me. It's not through your righteousness. And I say, praise the Lord, because I'm evil. Before the Lord, I was a lover of evil. Before the Lord, you were a lover of evil. And even then, there's still that natural man that tends to want to go back, but the righteousness and the Holy Spirit is saying, no. It's incredible. The Holy Spirit is teaching this to the world, this truth. There are not many roads. It's one. And it's what brought you and I to our knees before the Lord. Any attempt 
to enter the kingdom of heaven based upon good works. You know what the Bible says our good works are like? Filthy rags. Not to make you feel uncomfortable. But menstrual rags. This is what the Bible says. Isaiah 64, 6, it says, But we are like unclean thing, and all of our unrighteous, or excuse me, all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. And to avoid the awkwardness that I'll feel, to me it's like dirty diapers. That my good deeds or my righteousness are like dirty diapers. Because that's the world I live in right now. I experience a lot of dirty diapers. Maybe you can relate to that as well. You, you remember your kids growing up, you experience dirty diapers. Were you ever just amazed at the dirty diaper? You're like, this was amazing. And you just put it up on a shelf and you want to show everyone? You were incredibly amazed. And you're like, honey, look at this one. I'm going to put it on the, on the fridge. We're going to keep it there forever. No, you toss it because it's disgusting. It stinks. You get rid of it. The Bible says our good is, our, our best thing in which we can do is as filthy rags. Man, my life, the, the best things I've done outside of the Lord, because God has created us for good works in Christ Jesus, but my life outside of the Lord, any attempt to bring righteousness in my own name, filthy rags. Dirty diapers. The world is offended that Jesus is the only way to enter the kingdom of God. Did you know that? That this world is offended that Jesus is the only way. To me, that just proclaims truth even more. That because you're offended, it's almost as if you know it, but you don't want to respond. You don't want to yield. So they suppress. They cover it with a lie. Does that offend you? I hope not. If it does, you are of the world. And you have allowed Satan to be the ruler of your life. So number one, convicting the world of sin. Number two, convicting the world of righteousness. Number three, convicting the world of judgment. And as we've discussed in Ephesians chapter two last week, that we know that Satan is the ruler of this world. It tells us that Satan is, is in control, but his time is short because the judgment here is specifically the defeat of Satan through the death of Jesus on the cross. Let's read it. Verse 10, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world, who is Satan, is judged. But the Holy Spirit is testifying by faith in Jesus, Satan has no longer any hold on your life, on my life. The Holy Spirit is testifying to the victory we have in Jesus through his righteousness, that we know that Satan is defeated, that he has no longer a hold or grip on our life. And as we see, even though Jesus still faced temptation. He still faced Satan. Satan didn't have a grip. He didn't have a control over Jesus because Jesus was spirit-filled and led. But as Jesus was spirit-filled and led, he still faced temptation. So as we are spirit-filled by being born again, a salvation, as we look to be spirit-led, don't be surprised, remember, when we face the fiery darts or the schemes of the devil. Even if for a year and a season you face it and you're like, ah, oh, he's gone. We're told that he's going to wait for the point in time he's going to try to come back and back again and again and again. He knows that everyone, a born-again believer, he has lost any grip or hold on their lives. So he's going to do everything in an attempt to try to gain it back. And we know that when someone's born again, received in the kingdom of heaven, the heavens rejoice. And Satan's just sitting there defeated, 
me, that's encouragement, that's excitement to want to go out and to continue to live in the Lord, to continue to walk in the Spirit, to continue to press and, and, and destroy any evil lust in my heart. That by faith in Jesus, Satan has no longer any hold on our lives. So don't give it to him. Continue to walk in faith. Continue to walk in the Spirit. 1 John 4.4 4 says this. If you haven't memorized this, memorize this. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Who is in the world? Satan, the prince of the power of the air. What an encouragement. The greater is he, the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit in me, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And again, unbelievers, this is a morning and a time to respond. Don't wait. Yield your life to the Holy Spirit. Whatever that evil desire, whatever that love of evil in your life is, anyone in this room that would tell you it's not worth it, there's so much more joy walking with the Lord than any desire that gives you temporary, any pleasure that you seem as, as fit to give you desire the rest of your life. It won't. Don't, don't yield to a desire that's going to give over your spirit eternity. Here's the response as an unbeliever this morning, and it's simple. Romans 10.13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you have not called on the name of the Lord, this morning is the time. I can get 75 people up here and just say, don't wait. But again, it's, it's not me, it's not my words that can convince you. It's the Holy Spirit teaching and, and, and really convicting your heart this morning. Man, I love you. I want a relationship with you. Respond to me, yield to me, yield your life over me, and I will show you the exceeding riches of my glory and the hope that you now have in me. And for as believers, man, that's a continual encouragement that we know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. That like Jesus, when faced temptation, what an advantage. Amen? What an advantage we have with the Holy Spirit living inside of us. When Jesus said it is to your advantage, here we go. Living in this world, when we face temptations, when we are lured in, we have an advantage. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And as we have seen, the work of the Holy Spirit has led you and I to truth always, always. Even before salvation, the Holy Spirit was speaking. And as a believer, it doesn't stop. After salvation, it's like, okay, you're good. Enjoy. It doesn't stop. It only gets better. So we, we've seen the, the work of the, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the world, convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. And now as a believer, Jesus turns to his disciples, and then here's the personal work of the ministry in your life as those who follow me. In verses 12 through 15, I still have many things to say to you. If you were like me, you would want to know. Just tell me now. Just tell me now. You ever had maybe someone say, I'm going to tell you later. What's the first thing coming to your mind? No, just tell me now. I want to know now. But Jesus is saying, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, 
for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Jesus now in verses 12 through 15 in your life and in my life, we see that the Holy Spirit is teaching and he's guiding us through his spirit. Teaching us what? To renounce ungodliness. Guiding us where? Into all truths. When? Always. If you have the Spirit in you, and He's indwelling in you, and He has chosen you as a vessel to take up residence in you, into me, He is teaching and guiding us. He has sent His helper to what? Help. Why? Because we need it. I need help. You need help. We all need help. Because the, the standard of righteousness is perfect. And we need help to continue to walk in Jesus, to walk in the Spirit, to walk in Him. You say, I haven't heard from God in a while. I feel distant. Where's my help? I haven't sensed my help in a while. And oftentimes, I, 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 being in youth ministry, as I oversee the junior high and high school ministry here, some students will come up to me and be like, man, I just feel distant from the Lord. And inside of me, I'm like, dude, just wake up. Uh, but have grace, love them. And, and the Lord, my response is always the same. Have you been in your word? Have you been reading your Bible? Have you been spending time with the Lord? No, 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 no. Well, why not? I just don't have the time. What? What do you mean you don't have the time? You wake up like 11 a.m. every morning. Like, well, get up earlier. But I, I just feel distant. You know, I just want to feel closer right now. Right now. You can feel close to him right now. But what is it that's keeping you is usually you. Oftentimes in my personal life with the Lord, in my personal walk, where the Spirit has taught me most is in his word. That the Spirit of truth will point to the truth. And we have it. What an advantage that we have in the word of God. What did Jesus use? He used the word of God to, to fight off the devil. What an advantage we have the Spirit of God living inside of us and the word of God to teach us, to lead us, to, to, to sanctify us, to continue to grow us in our walk with him. It has been the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, and it will continue to be the Holy Spirit in your life. He's not leaving. Here's a, a famous um, quote. It says, I may not be where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I used to be, and I thank the Lord I'm not where I used to be but I know that he, continue, he has a continual work in me. So I want to yield to that. I want to be fully dependable on the Holy Spirit and the work in my life. And that's the encouragement this morning for everyone in this room, is that we would continue to yield and be fully dependable on him. It has been the Holy Spirit. It will continue to be the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. So let me remind you of this morning's message is to be led. And in Galatians 6, 7 through 8, you're led by either the Spirit or your flesh. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Excuse me. Right now, the past 40-something minutes, you and I, mostly you, have had time to sow to your Spirit. The Lord has given you this time this morning in which he has sat you down and said, listen to my word. Like, it's Lincoln. Just, it's, hey, look, I'm still reading from the Bible. It's the scripture. It's good. 
He has given you time to sow to your spirit. Even during this time, what have you been doing? Is it the phone? Is it the, the messages going off? Is it, you know, I'm falling asleep kind of thing? Whatever it is. But you've had the time to sow to your spirit, to tune yourself into the word of God. Are you, or are you continually being led in your flesh, even in this room, or are you being led by the spirit? If you're being led by your flesh even right now or in your life in this moment of the season and maybe this wilderness that you're walking through, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. Those of us who are, are believers, through disobedience, we quench the, the work of the Spirit in our lives. That you're not able to experience the fullness. And when we sow to our flesh, we're quenching the work of God in our life. My encouragement is don't quench the Spirit. Allow him to, to fully work in your life through obedience. I want to invite the worship team back up. As this morning is, is to be led, where is the Lord leading you? Is it, is it through obedience, maybe the first time, and to, to yield to him this morning and, and surrendering your life to Jesus? That is the most exciting thing you could ever do. That the heavens would rejoice knowing that you are no longer destined for eternity in hell. Where is God leading you this morning, believers? It's never into sin. So if you're living a lifestyle, wake up. If you haven't surrendered your life, Jesus, wake up. If you're playing the game of church, you're missing out. If your idea of, of being a Christian is going to church, you're missing out on a whole lot of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. When we are in a season where we are quenching the Holy Spirit, we are missing out on the fullness of God. You see, the Holy Spirit gives you and I the ability to live a life pleasing to the Lord. That we, we see the perfect standard in Jesus as he ascended on high and he's living today. The Holy Spirit is testifying of that. Where are you being led? What are you being led by? Maybe it's just in your life in this moment, in your seat right now, you just got to stop yourself and just have that conversation in your head. Lincoln, you, you've got to replace that. And Lord, help me to. I, I need to yield to the Spirit, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, our prayer, our cry out to you is, is help me. Help us to be completely dependent on you this morning. Not only this, this morning, but Lord, however long you have us here on this earth, we have no idea. God, I pray, Lord, that the word would continue to, to encourage. Maybe it's rebuking some hearts here this morning. Maybe it's just that growth that someone needs this morning to take a step of faith in you. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus, that man, it's not by my works that I enter into your kingdom, but it's through faith and grace alone in your son Jesus that you impute his righteousness on my life thank you Father for that I thank you for your spirit I thank you for the truth and I know that you will never leave me nor forsake me God even though I'm in, I may be in a, in a time of wilderness or where I'm walking that you are with me Father I love you and we thank you for this time in your name we pray. Amen.